black Range Rovers and luxury vehicles slowly navigated through Beirut's protest-filled streets. Angry mobs hurled rocks and other debris at the occupants, Lebanon's political leaders, trying to block them from entering the now heavily fortified parliament. On February 11th, 12 weeks after Hassan Diab was tasked with forming a new government, MPs gave his administration the vote of confidence. For nearly five months, mass protests have paralyzed the country as people demand a new type of government that can work to fix the worst economic crisis in Lebanon's history. I'm your host, Willie Lowry, and on this week's edition of Beyond the Headlines, we're headed back to Beirut to ask how Diab and his 19 colleagues can fix Lebanon's many woes. But first, a quick recap. On October 17th, Lebanon's old cabinet announced proposals for the state budget. The plan included a raft of new taxes, including on WhatsApp and other internet calls. The anger was loud and immediate. Within hours, hundreds of people were battling riot police in the streets of Beirut. Over the next few days, more people from all across the country joined the now national movement. The government scrambled to find a response, but within two weeks, then-Prime Minister Saad Hariri resigned, collapsing the government and paralyzing the political situation. Between October and January, as politicians bickered, the economic situation deteriorated. The value of the Lebanese lira plummeted 40%, imports almost ground to a halt, and hundreds of people were laid off or fired. Banks set limits on cash withdrawals of just a few hundred dollars a week. Today, 40% of the Lebanese population of 4.5 million people are classed as being in poverty. On January 21st, Hassan Diab announced the lineup of his new government, and they set about drafting a plan of work to present to MPs. Now, they've finally been given the green light by Parliament. Even in the face of mass anger on the streets, the new government can get to work. As MPs met, the all-too-familiar smell of tear gas wafted through the streets of downtown Beirut. Its putrid smell and caustic effects left hundreds in tears and coughing. The Lebanese Red Cross says 280 people were injured, 39 of them were taken to hospital, and politicians were not immune. One MP was briefly hospitalized, but still attended the vote. The National's Beirut correspondent, Seniva Rose, has been covering the protests since they began. She says the protests are getting more heated. The security forces were this time way more prepared. Um, they had erected concrete blocks all around Parliament. This was a few weeks ago, but like a few days ago, they moved them around and made sure that there was really no way protesters could access the main squares, which are, you know, Riyadh al-Salah and down near Parliament, which is basically on both sides of Parliament. Nobody could go there. Um, And they had also deployed uh, the army as well as riot police. The fact that the army was there is something that is quite new as well. And um, there were literally hundreds of policemen and soldiers, uh, if not thousands. Despite hours of clashes, 
84 of the 128 MPs made it to Parliament to cast their vote. 63 of those who voted, voted in support of Prime Minister Hassan Diab and his new government. The result is not surprising, and it is unlikely to change the way people on the street feel about Diab and the government. Protester Maha Halabi did her best to prevent the MPs from voting. She put herself in front of their cars and had to be physically removed by police. The reason she was willing to risk her life shows just how serious a challenge Diab is facing. This uh, government is not, is not for the people. The people want many things. Uh, there is nothing in this country. Electricity, water. When Diab was first nominated, he promised that his government would be made up of experts and would not be dominated by political affiliations. Imad Salami is a professor of political science and international affairs at the Lebanese American University. He says Diab has already failed to live up to his promise. The path to the formation proved to be anything but that of what Hassan Diab promised. Uh, in fact, most uh, uh, ministers uh, to Hassan Diab uh, are uh, primarily member or ad- former advisors to politicians who have been nominated and approved by political parties. Uh, most of the uh, ministers are loyalists to the Free Patriotic Movement and the President, Michel Aoun, while others are uh, uh, close members to uh, the Hezbollah and the Amal Movement, as well as the anti-Hariri Sunni uh, groups. Lebanon is the third most indebted country in the world. Its economy is in freefall, and its political turmoil is only making things worse. So how does a government that has the support of less than half of parliamentarians and is being ridiculed in the street dig itself out? Sami Nader, who is the director of the Levant Institute for Strategic Affairs, doesn't think it will. Usually, a situation like this may face a government on his way out, not on his way in. So this is just to say how much, uh, how big is the gap between uh, the political establishment and the ruling class and the people. This government or like, uh, or this trick that they come up with did not convince the people. And people are not convinced that this is really a new government or the type of government they are uh, looking for, one that is capable of achieving the reforms and taking the country out of the crisis. What they see in it is the continuation of uh, the same old operating system, the same old uh, ways of forming governments where the traditional political parties uh, have uh, the upper hand. Even people who think Diab can navigate the country out of the current situation acknowledge it's a near-impossible task. Hassan Makeber is a lawyer and former member of parliament. The only way forward is essentially twofold. One, with a focus on rebuilding the economy and, uh, and managing the, the bankruptcy of the banking system and the financial sector. 
and the second focusing on governance and fighting corruption. On the first ground, I think the government will have to, in one way or another, reschedule its debts, both internal and external, and this may only happen with substantial assistance from the uh, IMF and the World Bank. And in that, on that grounds, uh, the new government of Hassan Diab, uh, not having necessarily uh, the clout of all the political parties that were involved in, in the systemic corruption that has led to the bankruptcy of the state, uh, may have, if it, if it does the right moves, uh, may go into the right direction in, in getting the assistance that I said with the World Bank, the IMF, that will bring in time uh, some international assistance. On the second, uh, the second level of action, that is working on improving governance and fighting corruption, uh, the, this, uh, this new government has to go into a serious reform mode which has been called for by international organizations and foreign states, as well as Lebanese themselves. Diab told Parliament that his administration will take the reforms needed to access $11 billion in soft loans to rebuild the country's shattered infrastructure. While that is no longer enough to save the country, it would address one major issue, electricity. As it stands, the country has daily power cuts, and the state provider runs a loss of $1 to $2 billion a year. This is huge. To put it in perspective, a quarter of all government spending in 2019 went to paying for electricity. It also makes up a huge percentage of the government's $89.5 billion of debt. Just fixing the power sector alone would save billions. Dieb said he'll also take tough action on tax evasion and cross-border smuggling. They'll tackle public debt and safeguard customers' deposits. He also says he'll strengthen local commerce, industry, and agriculture, and refuses the permanent resettlement of refugees. He added that he'll build a social safety net to support the country's poorest people. These are all solid points, but it's unclear how the government will pay for any of it. And it's unlikely to convince protesters that Diab is the right person for the job. One hint about how Diab is looking to buy the government some breathing room came the day after the parliament vote. On February 13th, government sources said they would reach out to the International Monetary Fund for help with a technical plan to restructure debt. The government's 74-page policy document raises many important issues to tackle, even if it doesn't offer many answers. Similarly, one of the biggest criticisms against the protesters is that they haven't articulated what exactly they want to see happen, just what they don't want to see. This is something Suniva has been discussing with people on the streets for months. Yes, more broadly, there's also a push uh, for the entire you know, uh, system of power sharing, sharing among sects, like there are 18 sects in Lebanon, 18 religious groups, um, to be gone. That's also very hard. Like if you scratch a little bit and you speak to people, people quite attached to their traditional, you know, uh, religious leaders, just because, I mean, I say religious, but also religious and political. It's just when uh, politicians usually head, you know, uh, groups of people of the same religion. Uh, it's very hard because this is all they've known. And there's always been a very weak state in Lebanon. So people are very afraid of what could happen if you just threw away this old system. What comes next? And people are very worried of a new civil war. 
obviously, as people in their 30s and 40s still remember it. And yesterday, uh, one woman was telling me that her heart was hurting, you know, when she saw all the fighting downtown yesterday. It, rem- it reminded her of the Civil War. And people, uh, it's very hard. Some people just still want to push for a change because they feel that there's nothing else that, that can be done for the country for it to get better. And others are just worried and afraid. And, you know, they just want to live peacefully. So um, it's very, very uh, unclear what's going to happen. While there is a great deal of uncertainty, Mkhebar believes the protesters are becoming a legitimate political entity in their own right, one that even if not actually in positions of power, will play an integral role going forward. I think the novelty of the new period with the four clusters at times collaborating and at times clashing, that this will hopefully bring some additional oversight and additional uh, checks and balances in a system that has lost all tools for effective checks and balances. But without the support of the street, it's unclear how successful he can be. This was Beyond the Headlines. I've been your host, Willie Lowry. To learn more about the situation in Lebanon, you can visit our podcast page at www.thenational.ae slash podcasts and take a look at our previous episodes on the protests. If you want the latest episodes as soon as they come out, just hit subscribe in the podcast app. And while you're there, why not leave us a review? We were produced this week by Arthur Edison, Aisha Khan, and James Haynes-Young.